Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 5. We're like moving right along in the Gospel of John, studying chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we are jumping into chapter 5. <clears throat> we, uh, we talked last time about, you know, the uh, official son who was healed and and uh, Jesus just told him uh, to go because your son will live. He's been healed. And, and it says there in uh, chapter 4, verse 50, that the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. He heard what Jesus had to say and he just believed it. He just believed what Jesus told him. And I think that that's an example for you and I to take Jesus at his word and believe what he says. And if there is something that we need to do to obey, to follow, as this man was called, he had, to, he had to depart. He said, okay, if that's what you say. And sure enough, he found out, he believed, and then he saw. And then later it says that him and, and his household and the people uh, around him, they saw and then they believed. So sometimes we, we believe and see, sometimes we see and then we believe. So, but God is working in our lives in a lot of different ways to do that, but he's given us his word, so we need to take him at his word. Today, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to talk about healing again, and we have two, uh, two occasions here where, uh, you know, two instances where uh, someone is healed, uh, back to back here, and, and uh, in this particular case, Jesus was there with the person, in the previous example, uh, you know, he wasn't, he didn't need to be right there, right? He said, go, your son will live. The, the son was, you know, some distance away, 15 to 20 miles away. And, but here Jesus is there with the person, but, but it, you know, we, we need to ask some questions, I think, and it's always good to ask questions. Uh, when we study the word, when we, when we read it, you know, uh, ask questions of what God is trying to say in his word. Ask questions of ourselves. What are we, you know, where are we in relation to all this? But in, in terms of healing, it's a, it's a big subject. We can't cover it all in, you know, in the two hours that you've given me this morning. Uh, what? But we can make a start. And I think it's, a, it's an important subject, though, isn't it? Because I think we all need healing in one way or another. We all, you know, there's lots of different kinds of healing. There are, you know, there's physical healing, there's emotional healing, there is spiritual healing. There's a lot, you know, we're, we're complex uh, human beings and, and, and we have a lot of different needs and a lot of different ways. I, what, what I don't like to do, and, and uh, I think sometimes we have a tendency to do, is to spiritualize everything. And what that means is you take, this man was healed physically. He was probably healed in some other ways too. But to spiritualize it means well, healing is only spiritual. And, and you know, God can heal you spiritually, but, and that's what he's talking about here. But no, God healed physically as well. And so we have to kind of keep the whole picture here and and, and so ask the question, you know, does God still heal today? And I think the answer is yes. Can God still heal, to, heal today? I, you know, we might ask that 
question is a slightly different question. Can he? The answer is also yes, but will he? Now, is that up to us or is that up to him? There's a lot of questions we can ask. Now, I believe he totally has the power to, and the ability to, that, that he can heal. But I think ultimately it's up to him. Uh, I, I believe that he always does heal, but it's up to him how he will do it. Right? But when you think about the situation we're going to look at today, there were a bunch of people there in that situation, but really only one got healed by Jesus out of the whole crowd. So you don't always know what he's going to do or how he's going to do it. So let's, let's pick it up there in chapter 15, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, he, again, he'd been, he'd been up in, in Galilee, and he came back down uh, south to Jerusalem. But notice it says he went up to Jerusalem because no matter where you are, Jerusalem is always up. And he, and he would go there for a feast of the Jews. And there were, there were really three different feasts that, that, you know, most people would go back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't know which feast this, this is when Jesus went back to Jerusalem for it. It's not uh, crucial to what happens here. Verse 2, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, I didn't know how he got to Maryland <clears throat> so quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. But this word Bethesda, some of you don't, didn't get that. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> this word Bethesda means house of mercy. House of mercy. And I think there's a picture in that for us, though, uh, that, that God has mercy for us. God has mercy for us. And and, and to be at the house of mercy. So this particular place in Jerusalem has been found. It's been excavated. You can go there. You can visit it. We, we've been there and looked at it. Uh, you know, they've, they've made the excavation. They found the, you know, the, where the colonnades were. And it's not set up exactly the way it was. But, you know, it's just another archaeological proof that what, what we read in the Bible is true. It's factual. And I think more and more the archaeologists discover, you know, even those that were skeptical, the more archaeology they do it, it just backs up what we read uh, here in the scriptures. So something was going on there. Look at verses 3 and 4. Uh, it says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. And you, you, some of you have to read this in your margin. It says, From time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. And the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. Something was going on there. Now some early manuscripts don't have part of these two verses here. The majority of the later ones do. But... Uh, they, they kind of explain what was going on and they, they back up what we find in verse 7. So I don't think it's a problem for us to understand that, that it, it gives us the picture uh, of what was going on there, uh, whether it was, it was added later or not. Again, the, the meaning has not been changed in any way whatsoever. Now something was going on here at this, at this pool, the pool of Bethesda. Was it real? Was it a legend? 
Was it some kind of superstitious thing that was happening there? We don't know for sure. But ultimately, what we do know is that there were loads of people there and they were hoping to be healed. They wanted to be healed. They wanted for something to happen in their lives. They wanted, uh, you know, it says there in those verses that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. They, you know, were they looking to the Lord to heal them? I don't know for sure, but I know for sure this, that you and I need to look to the Lord to heal us. Absolutely. But notice who was there, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. Now, isn't that us? Now, again, I already said, let's be careful not to spiritualize. And spiritualizing in this case would be saying, well, yeah, that just means the, you know, the spiritually blind or the spiritually lame, or the spiritually paralyzed. And it does include that, but it also includes physical affliction, doesn't it? I believe it does. But isn't it us? I mean, how many of you have physical issues? You know, I, I definitely do. I had a weird thing happen to me this week, and, and you know, my face would swole out to here, and, and uh, you know... Weird stuff happens to these bodies. And we need God to touch us. We need God to heal us. Verse 5, look what it says there. There was a man there. And he'd been there as an invalid for 38 years. 38 years he'd been in this particular condition. condition. We don't know exactly what the condition was. Later on, he... he Jesus kind of alludes that it may have come from something that he had done, but, but that's not definite. We don't know that for sure. But 38 years this had affected him. Now, how many of you have struggled with something for 38 years? I mean, some of you aren't even 38 years old. You know, we get a problem in 38 minutes, we start complaining. You know, we, we can't deal with it for 38 days, much less 38 years. And this person was there. And, and you, it's no wonder that he was going to this place, you know, time after time. It doesn't appear that it, it always happened there. there was, it appears that there were certain times when this would happen at the pool. But after 38 years, you've got to wonder what kind, of a, what kind of a mental state would this guy be in? Like... Is there any hope for me? And, and, and do you and I ever get to that kind of place? I know I do. Is there any hope that this is going to get any better? Is there any hope whatsoever? The, the strange thing for this guy is there was, there was hope, but there was also hopelessness. And they were kind of mixed together. We'll talk about that in a second. Look at verse uh, 6. He says there, when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned, or, or, or uh, the literal word is he knew, he knew that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, and look at this question that he asked him. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to get well? Wow, is, that's kind of a strange question, isn't it? Why would Jesus ask him that? I mean, he, he was there, right? He was at the pool. He was with the, all the other people hoping to, for something to happen. And you ask the question and you say, 
Why did he ask that question? Jesus asks questions for a reason, I think. You think so? He, he knows, he kind of knows what he's doing. You know, as the creator, he kind of knows what he's doing. You know, I was looking up in the sky this morning. I have to tell you this. I was looking up in the sky, and I've, I've told you this before. You, if you get up early enough before the sun rises, and you look up in the sky towards the east, you can see Venus. And you look up a little bit higher, and you can see Jupiter. And, and so I'm looking at these things, and I'm going, and, then, and I thought, you know, I should have paid more attention in school. Because I have no idea how this all works. But I, so I, I did just, you know, a, a cursory little study and just kind of see how these things are lined up. And, and the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see the sunrise, right? We've got this place where we can see the sunrise coming up over the trees. And I'm thinking, but then I, then I thought, you know what? The sun really isn't rising, is it? The planet is moving closer, you know, towards so I can see the sun. And I thought... And, and then the planet is rotating like, you know, a certain direction. And then we're rotating around the sun. And then there's all these planets. And they also have these rotations. And I thought, yeah. You know, it just kind of, there was a big bang thing that happened. And it all just kind of got like that. Like, that is insane. That takes more faith to believe, in my estimation, than in a creator God who actually knew what he was doing. There's no life on any of these other planets that we know of. You know, they send out the big ears into space. They're what, you know, hoping to, there's people that are man those things, you know, 24-7, hoping to hear somebody contact them. Breaker, breaker. You know, nothing comes back. Anyways, all that to say is that, that God does this incredible thing, and God has put these things together. And, and Jesus, the, you know, it says in John 1, as we already studied, he's the, you know, he was there at creation. He was part of the, you know, the whole process. And so when he asks a question, he kind of knows what he's doing. Do you want to get well? It's not a dumb question. It's not a strange question. There's, there, there are people, I think you and I know this, that don't, they don't really want to get well. They don't want to be healed. And sometimes it's us. Why? We kind of, you know, I, I kind of like the attention. I like, you know, I like to feel that. Or, or, you know, some have wondered about this particular guy, whether he didn't, he didn't want to get well because he would, would actually lose his income. Because he was kind of like, you know, he'd get money from, you know, being in that condition. People would, you know, give him alms, you know. It was his way of making a living. Or maybe, maybe he had gotten to such a place where he did, but he really, he had no hope. He was just completely hope. His, his hope had been dashed so many times. There's a, a scripture in Proverbs, and I, and I think about it sometimes. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick when you want something so bad and it just, it just never happens and, you're, and you just get heart sick. But when, it, when God does come through, it's incredible. And, and he's going to come through for this particular guy. Maybe, maybe in another way, you know, do you want to get well? It's, it, it would mean change for him. How many of you like change? One. How many of you really like change? 
you know, my wife likes to move the furniture around. You know what? And I have to get up in the night sometimes, most times, whatever. That's too personal, too much information. And, and, and I'm turning red now. And, and anyways, if she moves the furniture and I forget, because I don't go around turning on all the lights on in the middle of the night, it, it's, it can be painful. You know, change. We don't necessarily like the change, but, but you will get used to it. And I do get used to it. And I, and I have to tell myself this sometimes when, when something has to change. Give it a little time. It, you'll get used to it. Hopefully. Most often. But, but it would mean change for this particular guy. Even if it was for the better, it would mean change. And, and you know, maybe we don't want it. We don't want things to change. We kind of get used to being in a, in a particular state, in a particular frame of mind, a frame of reference, in a condition or whatever. And we just kind of, okay, that's just, I'm used to that. That's what, even if something better could happen, we're willing to stay there. Do you want to get well? He said to the guy. Someone said this. He said, do we want Christ to heal the areas in our lives where we're damaged? Or do we want to keep feeling anger and resentment or bitterness or hurt and betrayal? He said, too many Christians hold on to things that paralyze them spiritually, but Christ can heal us of these things. Too many Christians, he said, hold on to things. Now, in this particular case, he he, he's totally got this guy's attention now, right? I think he, he kind of shook him up, even with that simple question, do you want to get well? He got his attention, and, and Jesus wants to get our attention too. I, I think he does. I think he allows things in our lives, and he speaks to us through his word, and he wants to get our attention. He wants to work in us, and he wants to do something. He says, look to me. Look at verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied... I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. That's kind of a sad statement, isn't it? I just think it's sad. I have no one, he said. I have no one to help me. He, you know, he's in this position. He's got no friends. He's got no help. He doesn't have the strength of his own to get into the water when, when the water is stirred. And everybody else kind of jumps ahead of him. As I mentioned earlier, it, it's a, and David Guzik pointed this out, it's an interesting case of hope combined with hopelessness. He had enough hope to go to the pool but he really didn't have any hope that, that anything was going to happen, that he, was actually, that he was actually going to be able to get into the water and, and, and something happened to him, be that one that would, would make it into the pool. I have no one. I have no one to help me. Isn't that us? You know, God's word speaks to us, speaks to me. You know, we, we get to that place too. And, and we, maybe sometimes we have a little pity party. 
You know, I've got no one to help me. No one, no one cares about me. I've got no one who, you know, is going to, to, to help me in the situation I'm in. Maybe no people, but guess who does? Guess who is there? Jesus is there. He says, I have no one to help me, but, but he's standing right in front of you. He's right there. Jesus is right there. And, and, I, and I think that's for us, too. You know, we say that, we get like that, but, but Jesus is saying, to, you know, don't I count? I'm right here. I'm right here for you, for me. I've got no one to help me, but Jesus says, I'm right here. And, and, and I totally believe that with all my heart, that he's right there for you and me. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He says that I'm, I'm here for you. So Jesus speaks to the man now in, uh, in the next verse, and it's, a, it's kind of an interesting thing that happens here and what Jesus says to the man. Again, he asks him this question, and he has a purpose in all the questions that he asks. And I think he wants to ask us questions too. But then he answers the man in verse 8, and, and look, look what he says. He says this, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus spoke to the man and what did, he, what did he say? He told him to do certain things. He told him to do certain things. Now, Jesus had a part to do and the man had a part to do. And I think that you and I, to fully experience the healing that he has for us, we need to do something too. We need to obey what he says. But when you look at these three things that he asked him to do, he's asking him to do something that he couldn't do. He's asking him to do the impossible, isn't he? He tells him to get up. Well, he'd been an invalid. He'd been, you know, like this for 38 years. And Jesus tells him to get up. <laughs> but if we think about who Jesus is, Amen. the Son of God, the Creator, as I already mentioned, telling him to get up. When Jesus says something, he includes the ability, the power to do it. If he asks you to do something, if he asks me to do something, he's going to open the way. He's going to make it possible. He is going to give us the strength and the power to do it. And that's exactly what happened here. So if he's asking you to do something, you know, in your life, in your walk, in your world, in your job, in your family, in the church or whatever, he will give you the strength, the ability, the power to do it, to do the impossible. Otherwise, what good is it? I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, that, that he does ask us to do the impossible. He asks us to do the impossible. But if he just asks you, you know, just tie your shoe and you'll be, and you'll be fine. He asks you something, to do something you already know you can do. What, you know, how is that going to affect your faith at all? How is that going to challenge you in your life at all? He told him to get up. <clears throat> There's where the preaching starts. <laughs> Get up, he said. 
you and I, sometimes we need to be told to get up. We're, we're like, we're, you know, we need to get up and do something. We need to get up. We, you know, we're, we're wallowing, whatever the case might be. We're, maybe we're sleeping too long. Get up. Maybe it means get up in the morning and have a, a, a quiet time with the Lord and a devotional life that you just do not have. Get up, he says. You want to see something? And you say, well, that would be impossible for me to get up early. But if he's telling you to do it, he'll give you the ability to do it. In fact, he might wake you up. He might not let you sleep. He's saying, I wish I could go back to sleep. I, I wish I could go back to sleep. And he's saying, yeah, but I want you to get up. The second thing he says is to pick up your mat. You say, why did he tell him to pick up his mat? Why would he tell him to do that? You know, he could have just left it there. Right? Let someone else use it or whatever. But, but John Corson pointed this out in, in terms of this mat. It was kind of like a, a, a break with the past. That he was going to take that mat and, and, you know, he's not going to leave it there. You know, make no provision for failure, he said. So you could go leg back down on that mat again. No, pick up the mat, get rid of it. You're not going to need that anymore. You need to go forward. You need to, you need to break with the past and go forward to see what God is wanting you to do. Get up, pick up your mat. Is that interesting? But I think it's true too. If God wants to do some healing in our lives, we, we need to go forward. We need to you know, not stay in the past. Not dwell in the past. You know, a lot of the, the, the damage that's occurred in our, our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, is, is because of things that have happened in the past. And if we keep going back there over and over again, how are we ever going to walk in healing? He says, don't leave a just in case. Just in case I need to go back and have a little time back there. Just in case it doesn't work. Just in case God isn't really doing anything. We kind of leave these provisions. No, pick it up. And then the third thing he says is to walk. Walk. That's an impossible thing to do, but that's what he wanted him to do. And, and, I, and I think it for you and me... That, you know, that, that's got to be part of it, too. We've got to get up. We've got to pick up our mat, break from the past, and we've got to walk. And that means to, to, to walk with Jesus. It means to live the life. It means to go forward. We need, we need to grow. We need to move on. We need to live for him. We need to walk. The word walk in, in the scripture, it has that picture of living. What kind of a walk do you have? What kind of a life do you have? For you and I, we need to examine, and, 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 and he says this to him at the end of this passage, this section, you know, if he does something in our lives, is it, is it not enough to actually change the way we live? I think he wants it to, but if we continue to walk the old way and expect different results, that's, that's a problem, right? How does that saying go? Keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. 
Something like that. Anyways, Jesus tells this man to get up. He says, take up your mat and walk. He had a part to play, and, and Jesus heals. That's his part. We can't heal ourselves. But we have a part to play, too. And that's what we see here. We see as the man, it, it says that, that he was cured. He got up. It says he picked up his mat and he walked. He obeyed. He did what Jesus said. Now, now I picture this in my mind that he could have said, you know what? Uh, Jesus, you have no clue. I don't even know who you are, first of all. You just show up out of nowhere and you tell me, I've been here, you know, I've been like this 38 years. You don't know if he was at the pool for 38 years, but, but he was in that condition for 38 years. You have, you're telling me to just get up and walk. He could have argued with him, right? He could have said, no, I don't think so. That's a problem to argue with Jesus. Have you ever done it? Say, well, no, I, I do everything he says the first time he says it. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. He got up. He picked up his mat and he walked. Incredible. Let's read the next few verses and then we're going to have communion together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get up. Maybe you don't have a mat to carry, but maybe there's some stuff you need to leave behind when you, when you get up and to, to go for communion and, and to, to get that cup and that bread. Verses 9 through 10. Second half of uh, verse 9. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. You've been healed. You're whole now. But notice what he said. He said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. It was Jesus. Notice he, he kind of makes a little connection. We're going to talk about the whole Sabbath thing next time because it kind of goes into that in the next uh, section and, and how they, you know, they really... They really couldn't care. The, these spiritual leaders, the, the Jews and the, and the Pharisees and, and that, they, they really could care less about this man. Uh, and they, they, they hadn't helped him. They couldn't help him. They didn't care about him. They didn't care about him being healed. And, and so, but we'll look at that whole Sabbath uh, thing next week. But, but, Jesus comes to this guy and he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, it, it seems, it, it's possible that it could be related to some sin in his own life that caused this to happen. Now, it's not always that way, though. 
In John chapter 9, we'll get to there uh, maybe in a couple of weeks. Maybe not. Uh, it talks about the man born blind, and, 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 and they asked him, asked Jesus, you know, was it, did he sin? Or was it his parents' sin? Who sinned that this man was born blind? He said, neither. So some, sometimes it's not because of what we do, but it's certainly true that some of the affliction that we face is, is self-inflicted. Is that not true? It's absolutely true. He said, stop sinning or something worse could happen to you. And I had to say, well, what, what could be worse than being afflicted like that for 38 years? Well, obviously, to be eternally separated from God forever is much, much worse than 38 years of being afflicted in this body. In other words, to... Be without Jesus in your life is much, much worse than anything that we could face in this life. And for you and I to turn to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive us of our sin and to, and to come to the cross, and again, we're going to have communion right now, to come to the cross and be forgiven and our sins cleansed and washed and to be changed on the inside by the Spirit of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That's what, that's what we need. Ultimately, that is, the, that is the ultimate healing. Though I believe he heals in lots of other ways as well, as we've been saying here. But he got healed, and, and again, I think this is part of the walk part. Sometimes Jesus does this work in our lives and then we, you know, we're not willing to, to make any changes. We're not willing to, to stop certain things in our lives. We're not willing to, to make enough change to make it work, to make it right. Jesus, you know, Jesus is, you know, God is love and he loves us, but he also speaks directly to, to you and to me. And he says, listen, you need to stop doing what you are doing. Or something worse could happen. But in the end, look, look what it said there in verse 15. He went back and he found those people because Jesus had found him. And then he knew who it was. He knew because he went back and he said, it was Jesus. It was Jesus who touched me. It was Jesus who did this incredible work in my life. Some say, well, he was just, you know, he was just kind of like, you know, being an informant against Jesus. No, I think it was because he wanted them to know. They said, who was, it, who was it that told you to get up and carry your mat? He said, it was Jesus who made me well. Not Jesus who made me, asked me to carry my mat. It was Jesus who made me well. And, and, and that, for you and I, that's where, where it has to go. He found out who it was. He didn't understand but once Jesus came and spoke with him, and I think there probably were, were other words that he explained to him, that he shared with him. And, and, and then he goes back and he says, it was Jesus. It was Jesus that made me well. I've told you this story over and over, you know, with my, with my family. You know, they say, why, you know, you're the good brother of the family, you know. And I said, no, it's Jesus. I'm, I'm no different than you. You know, same parents, same family, same growing up. It was Jesus, it is Jesus that has made me well, that has changed my life, that's healed me, that's working in my life day after day, that, you know, that I have hope. 
in my life. It's Jesus. So who can heal you and me today? It's Jesus. It's absolutely Jesus. And so we're going to come to the cross now. Maybe you have a need today. Maybe God wants to do something in your life today. You know, we have communion every five weeks. Those that are, you know, part of this fellowship know that we have communion every five weeks. And, and, I, and I look at it I, and I think about it and, and I, don't, I don't ever want it to become like this uh, ritual where we do it the same. That's why I, I'd like to mix it up because I don't like to do it the same every single time because then that's exactly what it becomes, a ritual. But I would rather it, it and I believe that it's a time it's a time where, where every, every five weeks we come, we have this time where we stop. And we, we come to the cross and we, and we come before Jesus and the cross and we, we say, I, I, you know, I want to I be renewed. I want renewal. I want to, to, uh, to be restored. A time of restoration. It's a time of, of stopping and, and to be reconciled again. Maybe something's going on in, in our lives and we say, I need to stop and say, I'm coming to the cross right now. I'm going to stop at the cross, you know, and I'm a believer, and I believe in you, Jesus. Now, for, for those of us who are not believers, please don't even do it, because it's, because that will be a ritual, and it's not going to accomplish anything for you. So just don't, just don't do it. Nobody is not, you know, you're not going to get looked down upon if you do not do it. But don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. That's not why we do it. It's a time to remember the cross to remember what Jesus did. And so for you and I to be, to come to him, maybe we need to, maybe we need to be healed. I, I just think it's a special time. And I, and I always want to keep it a special time. I don't want it to be this, some, oh, it's communion again. What are we, you know, we've got to do this thing again. It's going to take, you know, so many minutes out of our, our, our Sunday morning. And, and, you know, no, no, this is a special time. I think it's a time where, where we could look forward and say, this is a time, uh, you know, I, I've been waiting for this. And, and I have some needs in my life, and, and, I, and I, I want to I come before the, the Lord myself, and then maybe even come and ask for prayer after. You know, we, we do that, and I think God wants us to, 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 to spend more time doing that, you know, praying for people after the service is over, because I think he wants that point of, of contact, that, that point of connection. Because we need to pray for each other, we do. And I, I, I know that, that good things can happen. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over through the years. He says, get up. He says, pick up your mat and walk. So, so we're, we're going to pray right now. And uh, just give you an idea how, how we can do this uh, today, this time. So we're going to pray, and, and if you, you, you know, you, maybe you want to be renewed, you want to be restored, you want something in your life, you want to just be reconnected, maybe you're not feeling anything, but you want to have that connection, well, get up out of your chair and, 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 and leave the past behind and, 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 and walk and, and as, a, as a sign of what you want to do in your life, and go back to that table and get that that little cup and that little cracker. And then come back to your seat and, 
and, and, and, and take those moments. Chris is going to be playing quietly for us. And, and take those moments to, to quietly between you and the Lord now. It was between this man and Jesus. It wasn't a big healing crusade. Part of the, part of the problem is we've, we've seen these kinds of circuses. How many of you have seen these kinds of circuses, these healing crusade circuses? And it, it, it's It's sad. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, do we? And so, but, but ultimately, it's between you and Jesus. Who did it? It was Jesus. And so come back and, 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 and take a few moments. Just pray, whatever it is. Maybe you have a need. You, have a, uh, you need healing in some area of your life. Well, bring it before him and, and bring it to the cross. And, and then partake of that, of that bread and and partake of that cup between you and him. And then we'll, 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 we'll come back together again and I'll, and I'll close out and we'll have another song at the end as well. So, uh, Chris, come on up. Let's, uh, let's pray. And we'll take a few minutes to do that. If, if you didn't, didn't understand uh, how we want to just ask, ask somebody next to you, they probably understood, hopefully. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's a powerful word. It's a living word. It's active. It's able to uh, get into our hearts and lives, our minds, to speak to our hearts and lives and minds. We are broken people. We have such needs in our lives, our physical bodies, our mental, our emotional or spiritual we we have a lot of needs Jesus and so we come before you today maybe we're doing good today and that's great that's awesome too but Jesus we need you and we want to come to the cross this morning and recommit our lives to live for you to live the way you want us to live Maybe we've been wandering. Maybe we need to make a choice today. I'm, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to live right. I'm going to live according to your word. Dear Jesus, we pray. We open our hearts to you this morning. Maybe there's... Some here today, you, you aren't a believer in Jesus, but, but you can open your heart and life right now to him and say, Jesus, I, I need hope, I need help, I need healing. So I, I, I come to you this morning and I open my heart to you and I say, Jesus, please help me. Come into my life, come into my heart today here, right now.